As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, We're recording this on Tuesday morning uh, after our 3-0 win over Oxford United in the FA Cup. Uh, So we'll talk about that as well as our twice-weekly discussion on when are we going to sign Mihailo Mudrik, Uh, which I think may be coming to conclusion. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, We're joined by Adrian Clark and Amy Lawrence. Morning. Hello. Hello, Stoney. Morning. Uh, I should say at this point, by the way, uh, that uh, the comedians had a Christmas party last night, which we uh, which we do in January because we're all working in uh, December. So I'm doing this with really quite uh, quite astonishing hangover, I must say. Uh, when, <laughs> yeah, uh, Stoney, when you say the comedians, like who who decides who's in this group? I'm just you know, is, uh, how do you well, sign up? I'm, we I'm have just a, curious. We. <laughs> How do you become good enough or funny enough? No, it's like an interview, so that, and you sit there, and uh, they say, "Why well, do you want to be a comedian?" And you have to come up with a funny answer, and if you do, you're in. Is it, is it a uh, bit like the Magic Circle, no. but for comics? I can't tell you. I can't tell you any more than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> the most important question is: Did did you have a laugh or not? I mean... No, no, it was a really quite dull affair, to be honest with you. <laughs> that was all right. Totally depressing. Fun. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it was it was lovely. But uh, the hangover is uh, is real, all right. But uh, anyway, here we are now. As we said, Arsenal uh, got past League One Oxford in the third round, the FA Cup. One from uh, Mohamed El Nene, first goal since May, I think, twenty twenty one. A quick brace from Eddie and Katia. But obviously, uh, I think we can all see the lack of depth in the squad. So how far? On the get Mihailo Mudrik here now ometer, <laughs> are we after last night? I mean, essentially, we need someone now, don't we? Really now, hopefully before Sunday. By the way, yeah. I mean, I don't know what metric ometers work off, but yeah, probably ninety five percent around the, isn't it? around the dial on that. Ometer. It's hope, isn't it? <laughs> we hope that someone's going to come in as soon as possible. We are. You're saying ninety five percent. I am. I am confident. Yeah, because look, I think the Chelsea story was always a bit of a, a bit of a hoax, a little bit something designed to, to to drive up the price. But but the lad himself seems so keen, 
the story won't go away. I think I think it is going to happen, and I'm excited about it. And it, I think it needs to happen as soon as possible. We saw, didn't we, with the the front three, the first choice front three used at Oxford. That's not the healthiest position for the squad to be in, really. So uh, we we need him in, and, and also for for options from the bench. Because with no Gabriel Jesus, with Marquinhos still a little bit raw, Smith Rowe getting up to speed, we don't, unfortunately. And I'm, I, by we, I mean Mikel Arteta doesn't have that option up his sleeve, does he? If if Plan A isn't working, or if heaven forbid someone gets injured, which <laughs> don't do that. Feels don't, likely, I'm... doesn't it? Let's be honest. So we need him, and I think we need him yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Every time you mention injuries, injuries. If I wasn't Jewish, I'd be frantically crossing myself at this point. But anyway, uh, we, we don't do a similar thing with the star of David, by the way. This whole because it's a bit complicated. Um, Amy, uh, how how far on the get Mudrik here now ometer are we after last night? I mean, one, it's how far we need to be and how far we actually are. Do you think? Uh, well, I think I think my own personal ometer has sort of spontaneously combusted by now. Um, <laughs> So we need we need a mechanic in. I mean, look, the reason, like most people, that everybody's gone a bit mudric-tastic is because I think it's a very positive reflection on Mikel Arteta and the people that he's brought to the club. And, I, and the one thing that he's been is so determined with the people that he specifically handpicks. Uh, and in quite a lot of cases even though it might not have been that apparent at the time, it's been pretty apparent afterwards when you look at, you know, how they had to sort of slug it out to get Ben White in at a pretty expensive price. Most people felt at the time, same with Ramsdale and so on. I just think that there's a trust now. It's People think if Arteta wants him, there must be a bloody good reason. And so because he has been specified as the, you know, the perfect piece of the jigsaw, if there were a whole load of options, I don't think everyone would be quite so obsessed about Mudrik personally uh, as the only guy to come in and make the difference. But it's just this... It's unhealthy to be in the position that Arsenal are in. And I felt the Newcastle game just couldn't have written it any larger. You're right, there was an advert an advert for, for basically needing... A well, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. exactly... The game, you know, could have been... A, a, a perfect advert for exactly that. I just don't think it's sustainable to get yourself in the position that Arsenal have got themselves in and think that they can wing it with absolutely battering quality young players like Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli in particular. That to, to play the level of football and carry the level of responsibility that they're shouldering game after game after game after game it's 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 almost unfair, really. I mean, it isn't because I'm sure they want to play every game, <laughs> but I think it will help the club and their aspirations massively to have um, options there and fast. And I, I you know, the Newcastle know thing that. interested me because people were mainly quite disappointed and negative and frustrated and what have you about that. But it felt like. Don't just judge the Newcastle result on its own. The Newcastle result will only really make sense judged in combination with the Tottenham and Man United games. And I think you have to see how many points and where Arsenal are and what the gaps are at the end of that period. 
and that point might look okay. It might look fine. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it just we'll felt see. a walk. You know, as soon as the final whistle went of that game, it was like reinforcements must arrive before the Tottenham game. Uh, Attack wise, it just felt so obvious. So I don't know what possibility is. It's ten o'clock in the morning on Tuesday as I look at my clock right now, and um, it doesn't feel hugely likely that Madrid or anyone else is going to be uh, on the pitch in red and white. <laughs> On Sunday, on Sunday. And, and it, it, well, you we got know, till Friday. So well, he's got till Friday. Let's see. He's got till Friday to sign. So let's uh, let's see. Little flick on, collected by Martinelli. Alarm bells ringing for Oxford United once again here now. What a lovely finish that is! Absolutely brilliant from Eddie Nketiah. Arsenal running away with it in the second half. 3-0 and heading for the fourth round. Two goals for Eddie Nketiah. Arsenal beat Oxford 3-0 last night in the FA Cup. Wore the no more red kit. This kit is drained of Arsenal red. It's a plea for a reduction in knife crime across London. Also about supporting the um, almost 40 years of work done by Arsenal in the community uh, team in protecting the city's young people. And uh, we all think it's an excellent uh, thing. And it was great that they wore it. Um, The starting 11, I mean, I think we've basically said it. Having Saka, Martinelli and Nketiah up front, (laughs) that was a surprise. Um, Adrian, you on this on this podcast the other day were talking about the FA Cup. I sort of think that Mikel accorded with your thinking. Really, um, he basically wanted to get it won in ninety minutes. Uh, well, it was only going to be ninety minutes, but he didn't want to replay, did he? So he played a he played a, a, a our, our best front three, our only <laughs> front three essentially. Um, because he wanted the game won because he knows what the FA Cup means to Arsenal. Remember, it was the first trophy he won with the uh, with the club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is a big competition and yeah, you don't want to throw any game and it's important to keep that momentum. But we didn't have many options. I think that's no. the bottom line. There just weren't alternatives. Marquinhos, after that bright debut, has, has, has plateaued a little bit. Smith Rowe wasn't deemed fit enough to, to start the game. Who else was there? You know, Fabio Vieira played instead of Erdegaard. So so that is the issue, and that's why it's not just Madrid we need. It's it's another front man. It's another striker, because Eddie Nketiah could could pull his hammy. Oh my god, today. that's twice now Tomorrow. you've you've projected injuries on this front three. I'm getting nervous, Adrian. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, well, the whole thing was second. The whole thing was second last night when he limped when he limped away, and Mikel Mikel had to come out. And say, he's fine. He's fine. And everyone just breathed a huge sigh of relief. You're absolutely we don't right, have Adrian. To have this jeopardy. Mm-hmm. No, we, we don't, don't need. No, we don't need the jeopardy. I mean, it's partly it's partly a result of of the fact that we've done so well and we're in such a great position, and we don't want it to all fall apart because of injuries. A bit like happened last season. Just Jumping. a sudden thought: if Jesus was fit. Adrian in particular, I'm asking this to you because I know what we both felt about wanting more strikers before the season started. If he wasn't injured, would you feel that what Arsenal had up front was enough? No, no, no. I I think three is your bare minimum strikers. I just do. How often does in a season do, do two front men stay fit for the entire campaign and, and available? It just doesn't happen. Can I? So no, I think I, I think we needed the three all along. We've lucked out until this point, really, with the with the excellence of both of them at different times. But but I think we need that that option, and I think Mikel Arteta needs that option from the bench as well. 
is you've got to have a horses for courses approach and and Ketia and Jesus are very similar in style similar in the quality that they're producing as well but I think having just something a little bit different would be perfect I really do and I think we can we can surely in the position that we're in we can we can go out there and find find someone suitable that there is also an issue in midfield I think we saw that last night we'll probably get to that Stoney but that first half was a sterile game. Honestly, yeah. I was working on it on the breakdown live and I was thinking, how are we going to fill 15 minutes here? Because nothing, nothing happened. happened. Nothing and, and happened. part of the reason why, why nothing happened, I think, is because the midfield was a bit stodgy, a bit flat. You know, the El Neni Laconga axis. I'm not, just not sold on it really as being our, our strongest backup. I think we need no. something Art, else in there as well. Art de Roche actually wrote a... Um, a piece talking about that very thing and and how you know Granit Xhaka coming on made a big difference within five minutes we're one nil up um, and he was involved in uh, in the little uh, bit down the um, down the side when Martinelli won the free kick. Um, Amy, you talked a lot uh, about the midfield and about how really Thomas Partey is basically almost irreplaceable. Um, I mean it. Every time we see it now, every time we see uh, El Neni and Laconga playing together, um, we sort of realise how crucial Partey is to this whole project. Yeah, and it's obviously something that needs addressing, if not right now, uh, then, you know, in the summer or moving forward. And I think there will be. Why a not right now, by the way? Well, because it depends. Because it, because, it is also because it's crucial. An, it is crucial, but it's also. Uh, massively critical for the longer term and it's about getting the right player and the right player might not be available right now and if they might be in the summer then I think you have to prioritise that however that's not to say there isn't something that needs to be factored in to cover for between now and the end of the season now I just keep thinking more and more as time goes on that it might be uh, to borrow Arsene's old phrase an internal solution if something happened to Partey, and I, uh, by which I think there are a couple of candidates, Ben White and Zinchenko being the most obvious ones, who have the technical and intelligence levels to maybe not do the exact same job as Thomas Partey, but be able to fill that role perhaps better than the other midfielders at the club. Mm, yeah, I mean, Adrian, you you did praise El Nenny on, on the post-match breakdown show. Um he is not a, for his performance. Not for his performance. For, 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 his, for his character, yeah. really. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean I mean yeah. I agree about that. And we all it's great to have about the place, but you just see is it is it as simple as it's not as simple as, but I must asking you, is it as simple as um sideways passing as opposed to forward passing? Yeah, it's speed of passing as well, I think. Just what Thomas Partey brings and Zinchenko, by the way, when he slots in, is forward passes quick, early, sharply played into attacking players' feet before opposition defenders are close to them. I think with Mo and with, with Sambi Laconga, they take the extra touch and they just don't don't seem to see those passes or execute them anywhere near as sharply as those no. two players. So that is the difference. Mo and Nenny's a, a perfectly good player, um, scored a good header, obviously. I just think he's a good club man. Excellent personality. He's delighted to be there. And I think every dressing room needs a couple of him. You know, Mo and, and Rob Holding are great examples of that. You know, good deputy players that 
that are never going to kick up a fuss and they're going to be good for team morale. But on Zinchenko, I think Amy, Amy struck on something, a great option there. I think, I mean, he could do that job. He doesn't have the physical presence of a Thomas Partey, but, but the prompting from deep would, would be decent. You know that. So yeah, yeah. I still think we, I'd still rather we got someone, but I would put him there. I, I wouldn't be moving Ben White from right back personally. I just think he's done so well there. Uh, that that we should stick with it. Um, Fabio Vieira, uh, Amy, I, I noticed Mikel Arteta is very keen to talk him up. At first half, he was a little bit anonymous. Second half, he um, well, he he was the match winner, wasn't he? Really, it was a, that perfect, perfect free kicking uh, for any one of about five or six players to get on the end of, and then the ball through for Eddie for the second goal. We really want him to do well. He's going to have to bulk up a bit, do you think, for the for the uh, Premier League? Or is it not even that? He's not quite at the level yet, is he? Well, I mean, the bulking up thing seemed obvious from the first time you clapped eyes on him. Um, but I do remember Edu sort of tutting away as if to say, Ugh, what are you talking about? You know, he's he's so good <laughs> with his feet that it doesn't matter. But maybe they like, do like all these things, way, there's a bit of grey area. And... Um, I just think he's a classic example of a player who who just needs some adjustment time. You know, he's a young player who, as I say, isn't blessed with the, perhaps the, you know, the most physical attributes. Um, but he's got a lot of technical quality, a lot of imagination. And it just seems that the kind of player that they want him to be needs a bit more time to see if it can um mm. it can emerge from the from the bud and yeah i i suspect it would they would love to be able to use him more prominently uh in you know the, all the high pressure games that are coming up between now and the uh, end of the season but it might be that he just needs a bit more time and it'll be more like next season before we can make a true assessment on what he might bring to the club i think whenever you're buying these players you you know, you hope for the best, let's be honest. We can go through countless examples of players who have come. And obviously in the recent times, you mentioned Sambi just before, Nuno Tavares, you know, those guys who came in where it can go one of two ways. You can, Martinelli, you can evolve and become absolutely fantastic. Or it might not be quite for you. But, you, you know, when you're dealing with young players, and this is something fascinating about Mudrick, that we're talking about a a 22 year old with not gallons of high level of experience lots of potential but who's to say what way it goes whether we came for for 10 million or or 80 million you don't know and I think that's where it is with Vieira as well Mm, perfectly timed doorbell hang on a sec Do, do carry on (laughs) well while Amy goes to answer the door Adrian you wanted to add something there yeah um, Fabio Vieira had 19 successful passes in this game now I think up against a league one team in the position that he plays I would have expected more I would have expected him to to get on the ball and sort of take the match by the scruff of the neck um, uh, with more frequency than he did two phenomenal assists you can't take that away from him. <laughs> Two of those accurate passes were stunners, the cross yeah. and the through ball. But but 19 isn't a lot, really, in in the context of the game. Now, what I think about Vieira, 
it makes me think about Erdegaard when he was on loan. And, and, you, and my view then was Erdegaard is a player of moments. He's got clearly got loads of talent, but he doesn't get on the ball enough and he doesn't impact the game often enough. But you can see there's a player there and look where Erdegaard is now. So it doesn't mean automatically that Vieira is going to emulate him and that he's going to get to that level. But I'm encouraged by the fact that we've kind of been here before with Erdegaard and 18 months on, he's, he is dominating matches. So so there's that pathway there for him. He's just got to grab it. Quite. Um Briefly, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe came on for 15 minutes. Uh, Adrian... Um, it's just brilliant to have him back, isn't it? He, I mean, last year he, he almost, you know, he certainly carried the team for some of those games. I think he was the top scorer as well. Um, a fit and firing in Will Smith row, I mean, that is, makes a huge difference to us, doesn't it, really? Yeah, and he's a finisher. And that is huge because we, we, we might need to be ruthless. We saw what happened against Newcastle. It was great practice for the tests that are going to come because lots of teams are going to try and spoil matches at Emirates. They're going to play dirty. They're going to frustrate us. So we need to be efficient and clinical. And Emile Smith-Rowe last season was our best finisher. I think his conversion rate was just shy of 33%, which was phenomenal, really. Can he rediscover it? Hopefully. Um, I like his running with the ball. I like his drive. Um, And he is going to add a lot, but he just needs to get fit. He needs games, doesn't he? And, we haven't got the easiest run, as, as we've pointed out. So, so he he's going to get bits here and there, and I don't I don't think we'll see the best of Emil until February, really. Yeah, but there's plenty of games to go. Uh, and talking of finishers, Eddie and Ketty got two more, four out of five. Do you think there's more of a swagger about him now, Amy? Do you think that that him being brought in and the way that he's he is the main man for the moment, he has to be. He's sort of grown into it. Do you not think? Yeah, but he said it all along. He needs games. He needs games. He wants games. And uh, starting a bunch of games in a row is bound to uh, impact on the way you feel about yourself. He is taking his moments. You know, people have got to understand as well, he isn't Gabriel Jesus. They're not identical players. They have some similarities that they share. But, uh, you know, he is shown enough ability at finishing over you know his Arsenal career at times, and uh, the, the 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 big challenge is to be doing that in the biggest games against the toughest defenders. And uh, I think the next two games, if we're standing here in a couple of weeks and we're talking about more goals from Eddie, I think we'll all be massively delighted. Yeah, well, the next three really, because we've got uh, we've got Tottenham, and then we've got Manchester United, and then we've got Man City for the first of uh, three Titanic struggles. Uh, it could be four, I guess, if there's a replay. They're up next in the FA Cup. I mean, I guess Adrian he's going to be playing basically the first team in that game, isn't he? I would go pretty strong. I mean, City can make changes and be just as strong. We can't. That's the reality of it. If we if, if both teams make five changes, City will be overwhelming favourites. If if both teams make zero changes, they'll still be favourites, but but it'll be a closer game, and we have a f- significantly better chance of getting a result. And and why wouldn't we want to get a result? We win that one, and the draw opens up because obviously a lot of good teams have already exited the competition. City yeah. will have gone, Chelsea will have gone, Liverpool got two tough games. Um, so that's the positive. If we go out, it's not the end of the world. We get that free run, concentrate on the league, which City don't. 
and and we get a look at them in the flesh, up close and personal, before the league game. And I think City is such an unusual team with such unusual sort of unique patterns of play and movements. I think it will help us to to have that practice game in a way, even though it's not a practice at the FA Cup tie. I think it will help us to have a, a closer look at them personally. Um, and and you know what Pep's like. He gets into his own head, doesn't he? When when there's a little series of matches, two-legged affairs, he always likes to try different things, and they don't always work. So um, yeah, I think we can. I think we can give them a game, definitely. Oh, oh, we can definitely. I mean, we can definitely give them a game. Is there also something psychological, Amy, in the fact that you know we want to we want to stand up to them like we did in that game New Year last year when we we narrowly got beaten. But we stood up to them and we and we didn't just defend. We took the game to them. And that's what we want to do now with City, isn't it? We want to take it, take it up a level. Yeah, but I think also a lot, a lot will maybe depend on the shape of the league table going into that FA Cup tie, knowing that it's, you know, coming up in the league as well. Um, you know, if results continue to go well for Arsenal, then I think it, it yeah. has a different slant on everything. Um, it could be 11 points gap, clear by then yeah, couldn't we, really? yeah it could be greater or it could be narrower <laughs> you know and I, I just think there's not much point projecting at the moment till we know where we are but uh, it no. will have an impact on things because you know that let's is. let's be honest here the FA Cup is is a fabulous part of Arsenal's history and it would be great to win that match and you know go on and make statements and all the rest of it. But I think everyone knows what our priorities are this season and we have to act accordingly a little bit. <laughs> Isn't it good? <laughs> It's so good to have a rivalry with Man City. Like, no, it is. It's. I mean, I mean, let's not take away. I mean, we'll move on, but let's not take away from the fact that we are, we are, you know, trying to get up to their level, and we're we're up against the nation state, and uh, I think we're doing absolutely brilliantly at the moment. And um, at the comics party last night, one of the comics just came up to me and said, "Stony, Stony, can we win the league?" I said, "Don't worry about all that. Why don't we just enjoy ourselves?" Basically, I was parroting you, Adrian, what you were saying the other day. Why don't we just enjoy ourselves? And he went, "You're right." I said, "Something beautiful is happening at the Emirates at the moment. We just got to love it, right?" And he went, and he gave me a hug. We were a couple of beers in by then, I should say that. All right. But uh, anyway, this is uh, Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We better beat uh, with the handbrake at time. Amy Lawrence, Adrian Clark and me Ian Stone here on Handbrake Off. Since we last spoke on our transfer... <laughs> chat. Uh, David Ornstein um, reported that uh, Jao Felix has decided, or it's been agreed with Chelsea, they've agreed to pay the insane loan fee and all the rest of it, because uh, that's what Chelsea do. Um, now, uh, people have been projecting 
Uh, Amy, I'll ask you. People have been projecting uh, the fact that if Chelsea have gone for Gl Felix, they know they've done that because they know that Mudrik is no longer available because he's sort of done uh, with Arsenal. Um, I That's like, not what Chelsea uh, is saying, Gl Felix. That's not what Chelsea is saying. They're saying we want more because yeah. look at them. Look at the way they behave. <laughs> but they're spoilers, aren't they? I mean, it, it, surely it's it's more about... I mean, I mean, and by the way, where's financial fair play in all this? Because they've already spent about a billion quid on players anyway in the last six months or a year. So uh, that seems a little bit weird, but... I don't agree that they're necessarily backing off because they believe that uh, um, the Arsenal-Madrid connection is so set in stone. I think... Um, I think that's complicated. I think there's a lot of complicated, difficult people around in that deal. And, you know, until something actually happens, I'm I'm remaining a little bit cautious. Um, yeah. But I think it's more a case of if, if Arsenal ago. wanted Jao Felix or not, then they would be more engaged in the, in the conversation. Because let's be honest, when you see a, a tweet that says, Jao Felix had interest from Arsenal, Man United and Chelsea and chose the project, I mean... Yeah. That's that that is something for your comedy night, Ian. Uh for the comedians club. I mean, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take that project. Like maybe getting me table of a team that is uh you know, doesn't really seem to have any sense of direction with a manager who's feeling the heat. Or you want to go and try and help Arsenal try and win a title or Manny United try and get into the Champions League. I mean, where's the project? Where's the project? I mean, uh, but can we can we just take a moment just to appreciate that how badly Chelsea are playing, and uh, it was absolutely marvellous. I mean, I mean, it was really it's good glorious. to see them humiliated. Well, it's to be alive. It is marvellous. <laughs> it's about time just to listen to their fans. It's uh, it's a pleasure for all of us. All right, we've talked about the rest of the uh, signings, the possible signings. Were you happier, by the way, Adrian, when we didn't have all this chat years ago, when, when a team just trotted out in August or in January with a with new player and we all went, oh, who's that? We didn't know about him. <laughs> Was that a happier time than all this speculation? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I try not to get sucked in, but it's... It gives us content. We're in the content business, aren't we? It's, there's always something to talk about. <laughs> That's true. The <laughs> second half of this podcast for the last few weeks would have had very little chat if it wasn't for the fact that we were going for Mihailo Mudrik. I feel like I know him better than my own, I know my own mother at this point. Anyway, um, one signing that we have made, we have made a signing, uh, an attacking phase coach. Um, it's a man known, and I, I know you like want to hear me say this, the Tekka's guru. Uh, his name's Hussein Issa. According to David Ornstein, uh, he is expected to provide specialist assistance to Arsenal's forwards, uh, focusing on technical aspects such as their touch, shooting and heading. I mean, I mean, if he I I really like a lot of the backroom staff, you know, we have a we have a set piece coach. It seems to be working pretty well, Amy. So if Mikel Arteta and Edu and the rest feel that what we need is a Tekka's guru, then let's go and get the best one. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go for it. I think he's quite innovative and uh, unafraid of trying new things, Mikel, which is fine. But I keep thinking to myself, imagine if back in the day, Arsene Wenger had uh, uh, called the team together one day and said, Dennis, I'd like you to meet Tekka's guru. <laughs> I mean, there's some people <laughs> whose Tekka's doesn't need a guru. But yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Being, I'm being facetious. I'm, I'm all for anything that gives a a, a a small detail or a fine margin to work in your favour. 
you got to go for. And I think he has brought in some individuals who have had a huge impression behind the scenes. And then even in the Amazon documentary, you saw the um, the influence of uh, Carlos Cuesta, the development coach, for example, that everyone saw in the Amazon documentary, was clearly influential, uh, much more than you might imagine from the outside looking in. So, yep, let's get as much expertise, as much also variety. I think when you're when you're training every day, you need different things. You need to be different voices, have, have your imagination lit and taken in new directions. You need to be made to think, you know, the repetitive nature of some training by its very nature means that if you can keep things interesting and um, have people on their toes and, 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 and be creative, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and he's uh, a former futsal international for England. Adrian, they, I mean, I, I know Tim Stillman, who we've chatted to about the women's team on here uh, a few times. Um, he said that that futsal's had quite an impact on um, on Gabriel Martinelli's play. Um, have you ever played it? You, can you see why it would help? I, I didn't play it, but my, a friend of mine was a was an England international um, that I played with in, in non-league. Played, I went and watched him uh, Loughborough or somewhere like that in an England international in sort of this big hall and it was a great it's a great spectacle it's really fast the ball's a little bit heavier but it's all about quick feet in tight areas that's that's the that's the sort of name of the game and and I think it's 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 a valuable uh, piece of training you know if, if players what every now and again if they set up a game of futsal I think it would it would it would help them out. I'm all for specialist coaches, by the way. I know that that David Dean was talking recently about the sort of flaw in officiating his timekeeping, and I tend to agree with him. I think the flaw in coaching in this country at senior level, if there is a flaw, is the lack of or has been the lack of time devoted to players individually. Just because you know we used to just have a manager and assistant, a coach. And a physio, you just didn't get it. You didn't get that individual attention. Um, it's up to you to to just practice on your own after training. Um, improvements have been made down the years, and we're getting to a stage now where where it's excellent. I was speaking to Ipswich. Uh, there's a guy called Lee Grant. He was Man United's third keeper last season. He's now part of the coaching staff at Ipswich, and working with Kieran McKenna. And he is the forwards coach. He is the Tekkers guru. For the strikers. Now, you might be thinking, what's that all about? He's a keeper. But he's he's got his pro license or he's got his A license. He's taken his pro license. But he's a keeper with the mindset of he knows what keepers think in situations. Flip it around. Tell the strikers what the keepers are thinking. Uh, and if you can coach as well, I think that is very clever, really smart. And if this guy can just get that little bit of edge, change, you know, better the techniques of our forward players in any little way that he can, or just, as Amy said, enthuse them in training, give them that that buzz, give them something fresh to think about. It can only be a positive. I'm, I'm all right. for the, the, this kind of appointment. Uh, he's also stood in for the likes of uh, uh, Eden Hazard and Lionel Messi on photo shoots. So I guess he can do that as well. If uh, you know, want to take the load off the players in some way, if there's some sort of <laughs> advertising or shirt launch or something, he can. Hussein can go straight in there. So uh, that's excellent. Um, let's have a song before we go. Uh, Amy, what have you got for us? I can't stop thinking about the game on the weekend in fact I, I kind of found myself walking down the road from the shops on the day of the Oxford game 
thinking about the Tottenham game, which is very unlike me, you know, I'm much more sensible than that normally, one game at a time and all that. But uh, it's been sort of obsessing me slightly. Um, and it's time, you know, it's time, boys. It is time. It's time to go there and do what needs to be done. And I've chosen a song by LTJ Bookham called Faith, because I have faith that it's time. <laughs> you know what? Can I just jump in at this at this point? I've because uh, I've chose a song called "Can't Wait for the Weekend to Begin," <laughs> so it's a sort of dancey little trip. But I genuinely, I'm feeling the same way. As soon as that game finished last night, uh, I thought, "Oh, here we go, Tottenham, Tottenham away at the weekend. Let's go there and make a proper statement." And I think the boys are ready for it. So that's what I'm going for. What about you, Adrian? Yeah, similar vibes. I, I, I'm looking at Tottenham, but I'm looking at Manchester United. I'm looking at City. I'm looking at the rest of the season and I am dreaming. I'm dreaming yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Of, of good stuff happening. So I've picked Am I a Dreamer? Bit of an R&B house classic from the mid-90s. Live in joy. You'll know the, you'll know the tune. I'm a dreamer. Because that's how it feels at the moment. Am I a dreamer? Is this actually real? It is Are real. We, uh, it is real. <laughs> it is real. Um, <laughs> And I am dreaming of us signing Mudrick and other people. And I'm dreaming of beating Spurs and Man United and Man City. And it's great. <laughs> Sounds like me, Amy, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I quite fancy living in your head for a bit, uh, Adrian, with all that positivity. And no, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I'm like much new, too neurotic for that kind of uh, free dreaming. Yeah, I won't feel like that on Sunday. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be pacing around the, the the box where we watch the game at Emirates Stadium. I'll be, I'll be very uncomfortable, but. It's good to dream, isn't it? Well, we are doing uh, we're doing another podcast uh, later in the week where we'll properly preview uh, the North London derby. Uh, so uh, you can look forward to that. In the meantime, uh, thanks to Adrian and Amy. Uh, thanks to Abby, our producer, who's back uh, in the fold. And thanks to you for listening. And uh, see you later in the week. <laughs>